Welcome to Credentialing Insights, a podcast from the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. Join us as we dive into thought-provoking discussions with subject matter experts on the topics that matter most to the credentialing community. We hope you enjoy today's episode. I would like to welcome our two guests today. They are Cynthia Allen and Rachel Roberts. Cynthia and Rachel, would you like to introduce yourselves? Thanks, Jennifer. Uh, This is Cynthia Allen, president of Seacrest. Um, Seacrest focuses on helping organizations to develop or improve their credentialing products through strategy development, program evaluation, and third-party accreditation. Um, Thanks for having me today. Hi, Jennifer. I'm Rachel Roberts. I'm from the Institute for Healthcare Advancement, or IHA. I'm the manager of community health engagement and strategy, and I oversee our health literacy specialist certificate program, among other things. And I also teach at the um, California State University Fullerton. Nice to be here. Thank you. Fantastic. And I'm Jennifer Naughton. I am the founder and the president of Naughton Consulting, an organization that develops credentialing products and strategy, focusing on competency modeling and credentialing, both certification and assessment-based certificates. So let's go ahead and get started. So this podcast relates to the strategic decision-making involved in developing a stackable assessment-based credential versus a certification, specifically using IHA's Health Literacy Specialist Program as the case study. So let's go ahead and set some groundwork first by defining what micro-credential is, assessment-based certificates are, and what stackable credentials are. One of my favorite quotes from Lenora Knapp is, everyone wants a micro-credential, but no one knows what it is. So let's go ahead and try to demystify what some of these terms are. So um, in accordance with ICE's Uh, definitions. Um, A micro-credential is a recognition awarded to an individual who's demonstrated an attainment of a narrow scope of knowledge, skills, or abilities. The scope of a micro-credential can be as granular as a single skill or competency, or it could even be more broad than that. But it recognizes the individual who's demonstrated the attainment of that narrow scope. So an assessment-based certificate, also a definition from ICE, is a non-degree granting program that has three components. One, it provides instruction and training to aid participants in acquiring specific knowledges, skills, and or competencies with, associated with intended learning outcomes. Two, it evaluates the participant's accomplishment of those intended learning outcomes And three, it awards a certificate only to those participants who meet those passing standards in the assessment. So when applied in that, there has to be an assessment in order to determine if somebody has met the proficiency standards. The third area that we'd like to to demystify, if you will, is what a stackable credential is. And this is often confused. We see a lot of confusion around this, um, especially. And so it's not necessarily a certain type of credential, but it's primarily an organizing framework that positions a portfolio of credentials to stack vertically, horizontally, or both in a hybrid situation. Once you put them all together, they can provide areas on ramps and additional flexibility to personalize learning programs and paths So those individuals can take, you know, can set their own path in order to meet their own specific individual professional development goals. So there's a lot of flexibility built into a stackable credentialing path, uh, pathways, if you will. 
let's give some background on IHA and a little bit about when the assessment-based programs launched. I'm handing it over to you, Rachel. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes, we were established in 1993, and we've been committed to educating professionals about health literacy and supporting them to reduce communication barriers so patients understand their diagnosis and treatment options so they can care for themselves or perhaps others, such as a child or a loved one. Um, health literacy has two definitions. Uh, one is personal health literacy, which is one's ability to understand what they're being told or what they're reading either online or in a handout. Organizational health literacy is the organization's ability to help a, a patient or consumer navigate in their system, meaning how easy is it to make a, an appointment, to find where they need to go, what do their signs say. And so what we do at IHA is we provide webinars to educate professionals and we provide um, trainings and conferences. And, and when you think about who we're training and when you think about health literacy and, and the supporting one's journey through their health care, I mean, this is physical health, this is um, behavioral health, our community or our audience is so diverse. We have nurses who are interested in health literacy, public health professionals, writers, pharmacists, academia. And so because our, our community, quote unquote, health literacy community is so diverse, for many years, we had about 27 different definitions of health literacy. And IHA has a listserv, a kind of a community group that would discuss health literacy amongst themselves. And we would often see questions like, what definition are you using? Well, our school uses this, or our hospital uses this. And there really wasn't formal training around health literacy. So in seeing these conversations on our listserv, on our discussion forum, we decided that we needed a formal approach to define what a health literacy specialist means across the board, across all disciplines. And that was what prompted us to, to look at certification um, and explore that as an option because there really wasn't anything like this in the United States back, back when we first started exploring this. And so that's what caused us to have our, you know, our first JTA eventually launch the certificate program, all seven of them, in um, 2021. So that's kind of a history of, of where we were and what we do. Thank you so much, Rachel. That's a great, great uh, context for what's coming ahead. So I understand that IHA completed a job task analysis with the goal of creating a certification program. So how did IHA decide to adapt its approach from certification to a series of micro-credentials tied to assessment-based certificates? You're right. That was our initial goal was certification. That's all we had in mind is those letters after a person's name. And we hosted our first JTA and, and a result of that was our SMEs established or identified seven domains. And so initially we thought, perfect, each domain could be, um, if we had a course to support certification, each domain could be a lesson within one course. And as we started writing these courses um, and establishing this, we had the scope, the seven domains, and we were establishing the sequence of how to approach each um, um, to build upon the other. As we were writing or the SMEs were writing them, we realized that there was so much content in each domain. 
it was, um, it became to the point where we realized if we had a certification, um, the test would be so long, or if it was actually a program, the test would be so long to pass, and it would take so long to complete this course that we had to shift gears, and that's where Cynthia really helped um, guide us along the way, so I'll hand it over to Cynthia. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. I think you touched on a few really good points um, that are important for organizations to think about, and you know, I want to bring it back to something Rachel said around the kind of diversity in the field. There were uh, a need for formal definitions, a need for kind of formal ideas of what people actually did um, to be called a health literacy specialist, which certainly that came out of the job task analysis. But another key element that really happened was discussion around the need for formal training. So while certification was a goal, um, there was also this need for formal training that was going to teach to these competencies and knowledge, skills, and abilities that had come out of the job task analysis, because that really didn't exist at the time. Um, I think the other key pieces that, Rachel, you touched on a bit, too, were just kind of understanding who needed to be involved and also understanding what the needs of the audience was um, at the time and then also as that audience evolved. And so there was a team of, of people who we would hopefully consider experts in credentialing that came together to work with the IHA staff and SMEs. And when we ran into roadblocks with things like, we have seven domains, the content, even if we keep it pretty um, light in terms of depth was very broad. And so, Rachel, you, you mentioned that the exam, a summative exam for an ABC program would have been huge. We're talking like 500 questions huge. So this was really not something that was digestible or uh, made sense for the audience. So with that team of experts, including an instructional designer, um, myself and other individuals who are involved in certification and credentialing, we were able to walk through concepts and options with IHA in terms of, well, how else can we do this? How else can we structure this certificate program? Um, we need this certificate program to help people gain the knowledge and skill they need to maybe eventually do a certification, but we're not quite there yet. Um, so I think that is, was a really important pivot point in the process of making sure we had people involved with Rachel and her team and the team of SMEs to you know, consider options that were available and what the pros and cons were, and then eventually how pieces and products would fit together. Awesome, and, and uh, kudos to IHA for you know, reconsidering the strategy after the data pointed you in a different direction. Not every group will change strategies after they start with a certain vision in mind. That sounds like a very, very, uh, Sounds like you did your homework and then adjusted your sales. So what were some of the lessons learned during the journey that or other organizations might consider? I think for us, it's the time that it takes to create a micro-credential. And I, for me, I, I had never worked in JTA certification certificate. And so it was really helpful to have Cynthia write out the timeline and every step along the way for us. We created seven at the same time, which I know at a certain point I was, it was stressful. And I remember talking to our psychometrician and she says, well, Rachel, you're creating, you guys are creating seven at once. People typically do one or two, which is manageable. Um, so it's just understanding every step of the way, what 
is required of our organization, um, how many SMEs are required, just the cost involved. We paid our SMEs or, or reimbursed them for their contributions and their time. And there are so many teams of SMEs that created this from the JTA to the writing the content standard setting along the way. And so I think that was um, something important for us to realize is, is how many people were involved and, and the cost involved of reimbursing them for their time. Also, I was focused on all of the steps for creating the micro-credentials, but I didn't think about all the behind the scenes things that we had to do organizationally to support this program um, in terms of when do we start marketing this? Um, does our LMS that we currently use does support these seven programs? Do we have IT support? Do we have customer service support? Because now we are offering a paid product and we had customers, which we never had before. And so these are some of those moments when we were creating these micro-credentials where it was um, the realization of, oh gosh, I didn't bring in the team early enough to work these things out in terms of our infrastructure. And so fortunately, our IHA team were asking me questions about when are these done? We have to start marketing. And it was one of those moments of, oh, I didn't even think about marketing or LMS or IT. So it's having, you're doing two things concurrently is making sure your organization can support what you're creating but also keeping this program um, and the planning moving forward. And so we actually had to bring in um, a customer service, just a part-time uh, to handle all of the emails that we were receiving early on with our, um, we had some, some, you know, little growing pains at first. And so we realized that we needed additional help to support this program. And so those were some of the lessons that we learned. Yeah, I think um, that internal operational making sure that infrastructure is there, Rachel, is, is such a, a key piece. I think we are so focused on content and assessment and getting it out um, that we forget we also need that operational piece behind the scenes. And that's sometimes not the most fun thing to focus on. A couple of things I would say is, you know, really determine, you know, make a plan. I love a good plan. But as Jennifer noted, one thing that IHA did really well through this process was pivot and adapt when the plan did not go the way we intended it to. Um, I think it's important to manage the expectations of the organization as a whole, the staff, the SMEs. And sometimes that, that means um, taking some time to educate on, well, what is an assessment-based certificate? Um, why are we doing it this way? Why have we changed it from one program to seven? How is this different than certification? And how do these pieces and products fit together, as I mentioned earlier? Um, and then also kind of the limitations of these programs uh, always was the intent to have them accredited um, under the ICE 1100 standard. And, and so we had that as a framework, but we also had that structure that we had to work within and making sure that everyone understood um, as a team that we can't promote these as professional certifications because that's not what they are. Um, so that I think managing expectations and educating the people who are involved is a a really important lesson from the start. And I think that helped IHA in, in being able to pivot so quickly and adapt the strategy. And then finally, I would say investment. Invest in the experts. Um, just because it's a certificate program, a quality certificate program doesn't mean it's going to be a lot cheaper and a lot faster than a professional certification program. And I think that might be a common misconception we hear from organizations. Um, so really make sure you're investing in the expertise you need, 
you're investing in your timeline, making sure you're giving enough time for that content development. If it's not already created, you're not repurposing something, you're giving time for your volunteer SMEs to do the job that they need to do. Um, and then investment in the ongoing piece of evaluation of the training content, evaluation of the summative assessments and ongoing need for SMEs and staff to continue to support the program, particularly if, if it's accredited, that's a requirement there. So kind of that general idea of your investing in the product and, and what that means. Speaking of resources involved, uh, I'm also thinking about timeline. How long did it take to develop the programs from beginning to end? Uh, for us, we started in 2016 and launched in 2021. Um, however, because we shifted gears, we originally started writing this as one assessment-based certificate program with the seven domains being the seven lessons. And once we realized that would be too much, we had to rewrite certain things because we are writing them as if each um, domain would build upon the next under one course. And so there was a lot of, you know, in the next lesson, you'll learn about this domain. Um, when we realized that in terms of professional development and in terms of the assessment, assessment following each micro-credential, and we broke it up into stackable courses, um, we had to do some rewriting because we, we realized that number one, our diverse health literacy audience may not need all seven courses. They may have expertise already in communication, but want to learn something in education or ethics. So creating the stackable approach really helped um, our audience pick and choose which ones were best for their professional development. So it required some rewriting on our part because we knew they might not take all seven in a certain series or a certain um, sequence. Um, and so that was a little bit of a shift. And so I think for us, it took a little longer because of that, um, and because COVID 2020, a lot of our SMEs work in healthcare. And so we knew they had to shift their priorities to COVID-19 and their patients. So we had a couple of hiccups along the way, um, but I think if we were to create just one micro-credential, depending on how the length of that micro-credential and how much um, content is involved, I would say probably a good year to, to establish your um, your content and write your objectives and, and get your teams of SMEs together because you just need, you need those teams for every step of the way. So I would say approximately a year. What do you think, Cynthia? Yeah, I agree. I think, Rachel, I just want to clarify for the audience, 2016 was the start date for the job task analysis, yes. if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. you're So right. your, your five-year timeline that you gave is, is really from a starting point of doing a job analysis to um, you know, a, pa a pandemic <laughs> thrown in there and then a couple pivot points. Um, I think just one thing to consider with the timeline and Rachel, you mentioned earlier that, you know, there were some challenges and some benefits of doing all seven programs at the same time um, or doing it concurrently. But, you know, the challenge there, of course, was sufficient SMEs to do all the work that was needed. Um, for this program, because it was seven individual ABCs that could be stacked together, people could select two or four or do all seven, you could stack all seven for that certificate of completion, um, they needed, that development needed to happen that fast because you couldn't launch one year at a time. It would spread it out too far. People were ready to digest the content. They were ready to complete the courses. So there was a we packaged it in this, what we thought was a really nice way, but then the development of the timeline had to back that up. So I, I think a year is probably a good amount of time. 
Um, in some cases, some of those later programs, Rachel, I think really sped up and, and probably beat a one-year timeline, but it was, it was more about need than um, the luxury of time. Awesome. So speaking of timeline and steps, what are the next steps for IHA in terms of credentialing? Is certification still a goal? And if so, how would these products fit together? Yes, certification is our ultimate goal. When we were, um, we have another job task analysis coming up. Um, and the ultimate goal of that is to is certification. However, there are a lot of things that need to be in place in order for us to do that as an organization, you know, staffing and, and just a whole, it's a whole other environment, a whole other um, type of, of organization that we would need to help with that. So for now with our JTA, our focus is certification, but if that doesn't happen, we can also use the data to update, which we always, but we will anyway, to update our existing um, courses and, and make sure those are all up to date. So it's still a goal of ours. Um, Figuring out how the existing certificate program would fit into that is something we'd have to explore later. So we're just knowing that we've had to change paths along the way and just have some divot points. Like, like Cynthia mentioned, we're keeping our options open and just under, understanding more about certification and what that requires of us as an organization and just seeing how that fits into our strategic plan. But that definitely is our goal. Um, just, just kind of keeping our options open as to whether, you know, when we can do that. Um, in the next five years, possibly, or maybe even later. Yeah, I think, you know, for IHA, the certificate programs have been very successful. So there is a good group of professionals who have engaged with the content um, and the micro-credential programs, whether singly or as a set, as, they're in, as they can um, design their own approach to uh, engaging with the program. So there's a good group of professionals from which you can get some good data and feedback on, um, do they still want certification? Now that you've done this course, is certification not as important to you? And how will that impact the decision that IHA makes from a strategy perspective on what the portfolio of credentialing products looks like going forward? Um, you know, again, I think investment in resources and, and time and SMEs and experts is something that IHA does really well. So. Uh, they continue to, to plan for the JTA and have started that process. Um, so that will serve a purpose, whether it is to inform an exam content outline in the future for a certification program or to evaluate the programs um, and the content and assessment that they currently have. You know, they have that luxury of, of using it for both purposes. Um, we have to think about that. Obviously, we don't want to create programs that are not needed by the audience, that will not be uh, well-received or engaged with by the uh, target audiences. So I think it's a benefit that these programs came. There's a pipeline for people to digest the content and to train um, and get those knowledge, skills, and abilities before they would even consider a certification. I think the other thing that IHA has done well is make a decision on accreditation now. They know that these programs are need to be accredited and they know that a future certification program for them, accreditation would be a goal. So that provides some structure again around what these products look like and how they're offered. Excellent. You know, I've seen a number of programs that will launch certification first only to realize that people aren't ready for it. And so mm -hmm. what you 
it's a really high fail rate. So it's nice that you've closed those gaps before even considering offering this program so that if and when you offer certification, it can be more of a validation and they'll, they'll be ready for it. So that's a definite advantage. So last question. So what is the top recommendation each of you has for our audience? If there was one thing you would want to leave people with, what would it be? Uh, for us, it was bringing in the experts. You know, we had this idea of, of creating a certification and bouncing ideas off each other internally. Um, but bringing in the expert, bringing in Cynthia, and, you know, she recommended having a psychometrician later on and ID later on, structural designer. But having that expertise guide us through this process, um, because this is something that was brand new to all of us at IHA. This is the first time we'd gone through this type of process or even heard about this process, honestly. Uh, and so having that expert guide us along the way, um, guide us in making decisions when we had to, at that point, decide, are we going to follow through with the certification? Are we going to do assessment-based certificate? Having um, Cynthia and the team, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, Cynthia, just say, this is the first type of assessment-based certificate um, type of training that's out there in this field. Why don't you IHA determine if this is even successful and see if people are interested in this first? Let's go this route first and then decide on certification down the road. So that was, it was a real, it was a huge help because we were so focused on certificate certification, um, but having that expert behind us um, observing what we're doing and looking at the, the needs and helping us identify that and, and letting go of that and going assessment-based certificate was, was helpful, very helpful. I would have such, I have such a hard time narrowing it down to one, but I know I have to. <laughs> um, a key takeaway, I think, with this project that I would recommend to everyone is know your audience. Um, and that's probably a good recommendation for most of what we do is really do the, take the time and do the work to understand where your audience is and where they need to go so you can help determine what product is going to get them there or what series of products or one, what steps in products is going to get them there. Um, and then, you know, I would just sneak in if I could a second one around the idea of pivoting and adapting. Um, it's not something we all do well. And in this case, it, it was a, a good core value that IHA had and, and that really saved them from producing a product that the market wasn't ready for or that was not the right fit for what they needed and the time and um, dedication that they could give to it. Great, thank you very much. Wow, I feel like we've just scratched the surface, but that's all the time we have for the questions today. So I wanted to thank you, uh, both Cynthia and Rachel for being our guests today and sharing your insights and expertise with us about assessment-based certificates, stackable credentials and micro-credentials, and we'll look forward for updates to see how things are going. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Credentialing Insights, a podcast from the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be the first to hear these episodes each month. If you have a suggestion for a future discussion or want to sponsor an episode, reach out to info at credentialingexcellence.org. For more great thought leadership content, visit Credentialing Insights at credentialinginsights.org. Thank you again for tuning in.